You know, the oddities of football are really the things that really make some very interesting stories. And we have an odd scandal that happened in early pro football, semi-pro football, that Timothy P. Brown is going to come and talk to us about. The Taylorville, Carlinville scandal of early football. Coming up with Tim in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of pigskindispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And today is Tuesday, and on Tuesdays we love to go back in time in football and talk to Timothy P. Brown of footballarchaeology.com with one of his famous stories. Tim, welcome back to the Pigpen. Aaron, looking forward to it. Looking, uh, got a chance today to talk about some small town football that had big time implications. Yeah, it, uh, a little bit scandalous today, uh, our topic. Uh, this is a uh, really set the football world on its ear and it's still talked about today uh this is an article you wrote back in august of 2023 and it's titled the carlinville taylorville scandal of 1921 so what can you tell us about that tim yeah so um you know i'm assuming most listeners have not had the pleasure of being in either carlinville or taylorville I know I've been in at least Taylorville. I don't recall being in Carlinville, but they're both, you know, flatland towns northeast of St. Louis. So they're in the they're in the part of Illinois where people cheer for the St. Louis pro teams rather than the Chicago pro teams. So they're downstate, um, and you know everybody, like you know, I mentioned last week that you were one of these fancy East Coast guys. And everybody on the East Coast thinks Austin and New York rivalry, yeah, blah, 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 blah. But that's nothing. They've got nothing. That rivalry has nothing over the Carlinville-Taylorville rivalry. (laughs) (laughs) Or any small town. Two rural towns of less than 6,000 apiece, they can get hacked off at one another like nobody's business. And that's what happened in 1921. (laughs) Well, I, these, these are always great. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with towns uh, being rivals, the small towns. Uh, I wrote a book on one, on two. This is very similar <laughs> in stories. And that this might be the continuation of that story here in 1921, because uh, this, this is a pretty good one. So go ahead and, and please tell us more about this. Yeah. So, you know, so here's these two towns in, in Illinois um, that, uh, you know, moderate sized towns and they, they had a town team or a semi-pro team, you know, the guys, you know, people had paid to get in the games and they'd share the gate. And, but it was basically comprised of people who just, you know, who lived in the town or in the surrounding rural areas and two teams, but you know, four, two towns, about 40 minutes apart. So they played every year. And then in 1921, they had a game scheduled like always in November and they end up um, three to 4,000 people attend. Taylorville with 16 to nothing. 
And that's the story. That's the end of it, right? No big deal. Too small, you know. It gets written up in the Decatur newspaper because Decatur's in, you know, next biggest town, and um, and kind of nobody thinks about it any, anymore until like two months later, uh, word word leaks of the scandal that surrounded the game, and in in hindsight, I think this is great. There was a line in the newspaper. The, in the Decatur newspaper the day after the story or the day after the game that said the lineup of each team was almost entirely changed after the half. <laughs> so if you, you know, now did the reporter put that in there knowing what, what, what was going on or was it an observation? I don't know. But so what happened here was that the Taylorville, or I'm sorry, the Carlinville people started scheming. They wanted to beat Taylorville and they wanted to make money doing so. So they, there was a kid that was from Carlinville and he played for this 11 and 0 Notre Dame team. He was a substitute, but he was still on the Notre Dame team. So somebody in Carlinville connected with him and got him to invite some of his friends to Carlinville for Thanksgiving. And maybe, you know, those guys could play football for Carlinville that weekend, <laughs> like when they were playing Taylorville. So, you know, they, they had it set up. For, it was like seven or eight, you know, Notre Dame players were going to play for, for this Carlinville town team. And so, and they, so you tell you, the guys who are setting up the scheme, tell their neighbor so that they can put a bet on the, you know, they can bet with somebody they know down in Taylorville. And, you know, everybody's going to make money on it. No, no one's going to know any better. And, you know, they're going to, it's going to be a very Christmas as a result. And so, um, so it turns out that somebody in uh, Taylorville gets word of this. And Taylorville has a kid who's playing for Illinois. So they set up a deal where they get a bunch of Illinois players to play for Taylorville that day. <laughs> And so, you know, so the day of the game arrives and both teams um, put their normal lineups out there for the first half and Taylorville is up something. Um, and then just before the second half starts, all of a sudden a bunch of, you know, kind of a whole new set of guys appears for Carlinville and they enter the game. And you know they they hadn't been they hadn't been around for the first half. All they show up, <laughs> and now they're playing for Carlinville. And then, uh, so Taylorville notices that, and they say, "Okay, well, let's pull out our guys." So they pull out their guys, who are the Illinois players, including uh, Illinois stud quarterback. Uh, and so, so then the second half is basically played between a mostly Notre Dame team and a mostly Illinois team, and then a couple, you know, whoever the better players were from, from the from the other teams, or from the normal teams. And Taylorville gets, you know, three, uh, kicks three field goals by, you know, that Illinois quarterback is a kid who kicks them. And they end up winning 16 to nothing. And so, so again, nothing is really said about it until two months later. And, um, oh, yeah, well, Another just quick thing is that so enough money was collected by the Taylorville people that it overflowed the the safe 
at the bank at the local bank. And so the bank had to hire armed guards to just stand around and keep people out of there. <laughs> so in the meantime, because it's all like, you know, one and five dollar bills or whatever, right? So anyways, they uh then word somehow word gets out of what happened. And so both schools investigate and you know, the kids are like, no, no, I didn't do anything. But then eventually they, you know, they kind of give it up. And so in both cases, a number of the guys who were playing, who played, were seniors. So their their football eligibility was up. But, you know, several of them were like top track or baseball athletes. So their eligibility for those sports, you know, is gone. Um, and then other guys, just their their college eligibility is gone. You know, they're sophomores or whatever it may be. Um, so unfortunately, you know, and, and supposedly these guys didn't get paid, but, you know, who knows? Um, but one way or another, a bunch of people lost eligibility, and it was a big scandal. And I hadn't really thought about this before, but as, as I was thinking about this, you know, preparing uh, for, for this podcast, you know, when when Red Grange signed with the Bears after the 25 season, that was a big scandal too, right? Because mm-hmm. he finishes his eligibility and this uh, Sunday he's playing for the Bears. And that was like, you know, you can't do that. Um, and so you kind of have to think that some of the some of the attitude and the reaction to that was, you know, in follow-up to what happened four years earlier with this Carlinville Taylorville scandal, you know, where these kids, a bunch of them just, they're done with their eligibility, football eligibility. And they play in this game and, you know, at a smaller level than the bears, but still it wasn't, you know, the bears weren't that big time at the, you know, the NFL was still just a, not much of a, more than a podunk league at the time, you know? Right. <laughs> so it's just kind of, kind of an interesting little sidelight to, to the to the affair itself. Well, I'll I'll so. take you I'll take you deeper down that rabbit hole. I mean, sit there and think about who our coaches are that are getting affected by this. Illinois has Zupke, uh, you know, who's yeah. kind of kind of a hard ass. I, I believe uh, Newt Rockney is at Notre Dame in twenty one, and you know yeah. he's you know he's no no slouch to pull anything over. So, you know, he, he, they're losing their star players and losing you know. They're guys that they're counting on for that, that following season. And, uh, you know, they were both, uh, I, I know through some of my research, especially Zupke was very much opposed to professional football. Probably yeah. this scandal here started off and Red Grange just put him over the edge of because uh, he yeah. had a lot of yeah. comments as Grange was coming out about not wanting Grange to, to go into pros. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, back in the 20s, so – Rockney had played pro football. So, you know, he, you know, that was after his college eligibility, you know, but still he played. So he couldn't really make much of an argument in that regard. Um, But the, um, yeah, I mean, it was like in the, like 2021 era, you know, the colleges basically said, if you're going to, if you're going to referee in NFL games, you cannot referee in college games. And I mean, officiate referee. You know, so I mean, they were doing everything they could to keep the col- to keep the pro game at bay, not a, not help them out at all. Um, and yet, you had guys like you know the four horsemen, you know, 
they'd go and, you know, once they were graduated, a couple of them, you know, like they're coaching college teams, they coach college team on Saturday and then go play pro football on Sunday. You know, so those kinds yeah. of things were happening. They were, it was just one of those tides that the colleges could not keep it, hold back. I know? think at one point you had three of the four horsemen on the Providence steamroller in the NFL playing, I think, for a couple yeah. games. Yeah. But they, they were bouncing around all over the place, though. They were one one week they're on one team, one week they're on the other team. But yeah, laden. Yeah, and, I mean, you know. Those pro, te- those pro teams didn't even practice. You know, I mean, maybe they got to practice in on Saturday with the guys who could be there. But lots of guys were, you know, taking the train in for the Sunday game, wherever it was being played, you know. So, you know, I mean, it was a different game then, you know, far less coordinated in terms of plays and responsibilities and more individual skill oriented. But, um, yeah, nevertheless, I mean, it just the, you know, the colleges tried – tried like anything to keep the amateur ideal in place and not have it bastardized like pro baseball, you know, had, had done, um, but didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just so, glad uh, us Easterners were squeaky clean, clean in our football. Yeah, not, not yeah. like, uh, oh, I know, the, I know. the treacherous really Midwesterners of, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of mind boggling actually how, how clean you guys have kept it. Kept yeah, that's over right. the years. <laughs> No wonder all the all Americans were on the East Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Tim, this has been a really enjoyable story and subject, and we we poke fun at it, but it was pretty serious at the time, and you know, a lot of money yeah. and people's uh, collegiate careers are getting upset. Probably their education's probably life changing to some of them, and uh, we really appreciate you memorializing the story and uh, both in your tidbit and talking with us here today. But you do this quite a bit in your tidbits and bring these little facets of, of football uh, to light uh, once more. So maybe you could share with the, the listeners how they too can partake in your tidbits. Yep, very easy. Just uh, go to footballarchaeology.com. Uh, submit your email to you know to subscribe, and then you'll get get a, an email with the contents of the story every day at seven o'clock Eastern, and then uh, you know read them then or let them pile up, and then and alternatively you can uh, follow me on on uh, Twitter, on Threads, or on the uh, Substack app, and I go by the name Football Archaeology on all three of those. Well, Tim, again, we appreciate you you coming on and sharing these great stories with us. And uh, this saga of the Taylorville, uh, Carlinville uh, scandal that happened in 1921, you know, over 100 uh, years ago. And uh, we'll talk to you again next Tuesday about another subject. Yeah. And remember, it's a much bigger deal than the Yankees and Red Sox. I mean, much bigger, much bigger. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. A special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast.
This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com.